Good. Good morning, everybody. Let me look to the technical man in the back if everything is okay. That's good. That's good. So it's a uh, it's a real uh, real pleasure to uh, to be here. So I'm I'm meeting all kind of uh, forgotten cousins, which so which which seems to be like a in this Dutch enclave, which it seems to be uh, a little bit uh, a bit here. Uh, but it's also not only that; it's also a real pleasure to meet other family in Christ. That's an even much uh, bigger family. So I'm I'm happy to meet also like family. Uh, in the Lord Jesus uh, here. Um, let me share a little bit, it's shortly a little bit like about, uh, about who we are and what we are, we are doing, so you know who you, who you have here. Like, uh, this is my family here, they are they're sitting there in, in the back, my wife, uh, in here with my wife Alika and uh, our children, Hannah, uh, Boaz and uh, Joel. And we, uh, we, we live and work in, uh, in Brooklyn, uh, New York. Well, my, fav my favorite dad joke is like, okay, well, like uh, the Dutch, they founded Brooklyn, so that to say, like, we are back to reclaim our heritage. I don't know why that was necessary, but Pastor Sim, he had to tell me, like, the, the English took over at one point, but <laughs> no, why are we really there? We, we live there in, uh, in Emmanuel House, like, if the, the, can I, the next uh, slide, maybe, the like and uh, we, we serve with the organization Life in Messiah. That's an uh, an organization. Like our mission statement is sharing God's heart for the Jewish people. Sharing God's heart for the Jewish people. It's so that goes two ways. On the one hand, like sharing with with Christians. Don't forget about God's love for the Jewish people. But also like especially sharing with the Jewish people themselves. That about God's love. And as our, the name of our organization says, where do you really see God's love? It's it's in the Messiah in whom you find eternal life. And it's in Jesus. So that's what we, uh, all the people in the, the, who work with life and Messiah in different places in Israel and the United States and even, even in Argentina, like in, with all kinds of different Jewish people, try to share the, the good news of Jesus uh, with them. And we do that in, uh, in Brooklyn, New York. This is the ministry center uh, where we uh, live. We live here in the corner here. In the, the apartment there, so, but maybe you ask like, why Brooklyn? Well, Brooklyn, why not Israel? We lived also for two years in Israel, but couldn't couldn't stay there. But why then? Why Brooklyn? Well, Brooklyn alone has more Jewish people than Jerusalem. There's more than half a million Jewish people in uh, in Brooklyn alone, uh, and many of them are actually like, uh, as you can see on the next next. Uh, uh Oh, sorry, I, I, maybe the next, I'm going in, in not, not in a good order through my slides, but uh, like many people in Brooklyn, they are, like maybe that's the stereotypical picture that you have of Jewish people, like in, uh, those dressed in, in black and white. There's all kind of other Jewish people too, but we have a lot of ultra-Orthodox Jewish people in Brooklyn, and that's a really hard uh, people group to reach, but God put that especially on our heart to, to try to reach out uh, to them. So, uh, so really thankful for your prayers for that, and I'm coveting uh, your prayers uh, for that. Like I don't know, maybe when we have coffee, I can maybe tell uh, some more uh, more about that. Um, but we're doing this like from the from the conviction, as you saw, like in, in the previous slide, like the verse from Romans, like uh, the that I'm not ashamed for the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation, and it says for the Jew. 
first. That means like that, that it's like especially f- the, the good news of Jesus is especially for, for the Jewish people. And that conviction, that's, that's what drives us to share uh, the good news, even though it's difficult with the, with the Jewish people. Now, in, in Jewish ministry, like one of the mi- maybe one of the most important uh, passages of, of Scripture, we get some extra air conditioning, that's good. <laughs> but uh, one of the most important uh, uh, passages of Scripture, maybe, maybe it's even one of the most important uh, chapters of the entire, entire Bible, uh, is Isaiah 53. And as I'll share, as I'll share with you about that this morning, you'll understand how how that is especially central for ministry to Jewish people. So I want to share the word with you, uh, with you this morning from uh, from the book of Isaiah, uh, uh, like especially Isaiah 53. Like we start, it actually starts in Isaiah uh, Isaiah 52. It's a real special chapter, real special chapter from the from the Bible. Because it, it contains a real clear prophecy about the atoning work of the Lord Jesus. And it's in the Old Testament. So I want to share with it, like maybe this, this sermon this morning will be a little bit of a, of a Bible study because I want to take you through the entire chapter. I, I hope I can equip you a little bit with it and maybe strengthen you in your faith if you are a believer. And if you're not, maybe then I, then I want hope it will will make you consider the faith in Jesus. Because this is, how can this be? Like such a clear prophecy, 700 years before before Jesus. So, um, I want to read it with you with you first. Uh, we start reading Isaiah, Isaiah 52, verse 13. That's where the passage starts. And we read to the end of uh, chapter 53. Isaiah, Isaiah 52, verse 13. We read that, Behold, my servant shall act wisely, or my servant shall prosper. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many as were astonished at you or shocked about you, so his appearance was marred beyond human semblance. And his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So this way he shall sprinkle many nations, many Gentiles. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that, or better translation is those who had not been told, they will see. And those who did not hear, they understand. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Yet, surely, he has borne our griefs 
and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb or like the lamb, he was led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut out off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? They made his grave with the wicked. But he was with a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence. And there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will, the pleasure even, of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the will, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Because of the anguish of his soul, he shall see. Or the maybe, maybe a, a better text has been, he shall see the light and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the sprung, or a better translation is the numerous. Because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is the Word of God. I'd love to take you through this amazing passage because that's what it really, really is. And I mean, there's so much in there here, but I want to give you the overview of the of the passage, like just walk it through. And we I want to go through um, like three main points like we first go to verse 13 till 15 from chapter 52 and there we see it like a divine riddle it's like you think what is this what's going on here and then you get like the middle section like isaiah 53 verse 1 to 10 it's like a like a there, there you have like a crucial understanding a realization and a and a confession that's like that's where things become clear that's why the eyes are opened actually and then we go to the last verses of the chapter, and there we see the fruit of the servant's uh, suffering. Are we still? 
Are we still? Are we still? How we're doing with the? How we're doing with my computer? Do you need? Do you need me with the computer? I'm good. I'll, I'll just I'll just continue. So, <laughs> the so let me let me when, where are we actually in the book of Isaiah? If we are in Isaiah 53, so then, then we're jumping in right in the middle of a, of a quite amazing amazing book of the of the Bible. But let let's give first a little bit of little background. Isaiah was a very special prophet. He lived around the end of the 8th century to uh, the beginning of the 7th century before Christ. So 700 years before, before him. He lived about 100 years before the, the Babylonian exile, before Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was destroyed for the, for the first time. And, and his book, like, like it really, really it like contains prophecies which over, over quite a long span of span of time and but together they are one big vision about the future of of Jerusalem now we can't do a complete survey of the book of of Isaiah of course but but here's a few things you should you should know like in the in the first chapters like in the first part first chapter 1 till 39 like kind of the most dominant theme there is is the theme of God's of God's judgment and 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 that's a judgment that, that indeed came. It came first through the, the Assyrians, which is it first came in the in the time of King uh, King of, of King Hezekiah. And but then he's also further on like like prophesying about the destruction of, of Jerusalem that would come. And that, that came also. Uh, and that really happened about 125 years later. But then we get to the to the second part of the of the book of Isaiah, and and then things really get special, and 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 that's that's a part of the of, of the Bible I, I really love, because because God there starts to give already hope and comfort beyond the judgment that Isaiah had to announce, and it, it really shows that God is in control, that He is. He is Lord of history. He, he, for instance, already announces the name of the Persian king that, that will let the, the, the people of Israel go back to the land and who will say, you can build the temple again. But not only that, in that second part of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah even starts to prophesy about salvation and a future for, for Jerusalem beyond that. God is really talking in his grace and he, and he says to, to the people of Israel that, that the punishment that Jerusalem has had, that, that, it's, that it's more than enough and that there will be an end to their, to their problems and their hardships. That, that, that's how it starts. Like Maybe you know this first. Like comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare, her time of, of difficulty is, is over, that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received double from the Lord's hand for all her sins. Now, that's not God speaking in his, uh, in, in his, from the perspective of his righteousness, because if you get double for your, your sins, then you have to spend twice eternity in hell. And that's not possible, of course. 
So this is really God speaking from the from his heart of grace. He's kind of saying, it's more than enough. I want, I want to forgive you. So it's a message of, of good news that, uh, that Isaiah has to bring for his people. And it's really worth studying these chapters. I, I would really encourage you to do some Bible study uh, about it. But again, we can't go into, into it all now. But it's a message of comfort and, and consolation, a message of 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 redemption. But here's something you should know about these chapters leading up to uh, Isaiah 53. Like in the midst of this message of, of, of salvation, Isaiah starts to talk about a special servant of God. Like well maybe you could call him God's, God's special agent. Like, like somebody who's acting on behalf of God. And he start that, that person starts to play a key role in, in Isaiah's prophecy. God is, God is promising that the salvation he brings, especially through this servant. He, God even says about him in, in Isaiah 49, that that servant will be his salvation to the ends of the earth. And so, so, we're also so, so here also in, in Isaiah 53, at the in, in or Isaiah 52:13 at the beginning of the of this section there's there's again this servant it's actually actually God himself speaking so let's have a closer look at it okay you can look here you can look in your bibles so we first see here a, a, a divine riddle God says my servant shall act wisely that means acting in such a way that it has has good results. Another way of translating it's like he will succeed. He will be. He will prosper. A- and, and then God says, like he shall be high and lifted up, and he shall be exalted, greatly exalted. Even well, that sounds good, right? Sounds like a strong person who will who will show up. And you know the the words being used here. Like if you put them in the context of the book of Isaiah, that's, that's not just a little bit exalted, what Isaiah is talking about. Because these are words like which Isaiah, in the beginning of his book, he, sa- he said, I saw God's throne high and lifted up. So this is really divine exaltation what he's talking about here. And it's even one of the names of God, like the high and lofty one. So this, this person Isaiah is talking about, he will be, high and lifted up and greatly exalted really to divine glory that sounds good right that's somebody who can bring about redemption but then all of a sudden the the prophecy changes let's go to the next verse it's verse 14 here it becomes dark in the middle of the day all of a sudden we hear words that are talking about terrible suffering. Read it with me. Just as many were astonished, shocked about you, so his appearance was marred, ruined, disfigured, beyond human semblance. So literally it's away from being man. And his form disfigured beyond or more than, than any of the children of men. What's that all of a sudden? I thought we were talking about somebody who 
who would be successful. Strange idea of success here. Let's have a little bit of a closer look what's going on here. Because there's a comparison going on. Just as many were shocked about you, who's this you? In the context, that's the, that's the people of, of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem and the people of Jerusalem, just as many were shocked about you. Because Jerusalem was hit by God's judgment. It was destroyed. And many people saw Jerusalem and they were like, whoa, what's going on here? This is terrible. But now also, it's talking about this servant. Just as many were shocked about you, so his appearance was, was marred. So that, that pe people are even, even more shocked about that. It's even worse. He's totally stripped of, of human dignity. Yes, the words of Psalm 22 apply here for this man. I am a worm and not a man. This suffering goes, goes deeper than the suffering of anybody. What's this? Not really about a successful redeemer figure, it looks like. This looks like complete disaster and, and abandonment by God. The prophecy moves on, though. It starts talking again about what this servant will, will achieve. It's actually connect connecting this terrible ordeal of suffering, of which we got a brief glimpse. He connects it with, with something else. He says, this way, let, let me go to the next verse. This way, the servant shall sprinkle many, many nations, many, many Gentiles, many non-Jewish non people, many non-Israelites. They will be sprinkled. It's again a bit of a riddle, right? Let me tell you this at least about it. This word sprinkling, there's a, I it's giving a hint here that's also used in the books of Moses. And then it's used to describe the sprinkling which the, which the high priest did when he, when he came in, in the holies of holies on the day of atonement. And he was sprinkling the blood of the sacrifice on everything in the temple. And that, that made it possible that God dwelt among his people. It cleansed the temple. So, so that sprinkling was an act of atonement. And now... The prophecy says, this way, through this terrible suffering, this servant will sprinkle many, many Gentiles. Because it continues, kings shall shut their mouths because of him. They will be in awe for him. Because those, because that's maybe the better way to translate that first. Some, some most English translation have that was not who, which was not told. If if there's some Dutchies among you, like you, maybe if you can check the, your your if you still read the Dutch Bible, you'll see they also translate it like those uh, who who didn't hear. Actually, that's also how more important than how the Dutch uh, Bible translated it. That's how the Apostle Paul uh, rendered the verse. So it says, because those who have not been told and those who have not heard, they will understand. The prophecy is talking about, about many Gentiles 
many non-Israelites, many non-Jews who are sprinkled, cleansed by the servant. And because, because of that, they are in awe, even kings among them. They at first were not told about this servant. Now, this prophecy is first of all given to the Jewish people, to the, to the people of Israel, right? That's, that's the one to whom Isaiah is talking. The gen we, we Gentiles didn't hear it at first, but Isaiah says, they will understand. They will understand who, who the servant is and, and what he did. What's this all about? It's, it's a bit of a riddle, right? Let's keep listening. Because, because this riddle is explained. Let's go to our second point. A crucial understanding and confession. Because so far, it was like God himself speaking directly in the verses that we just talked about. But now the prophet starts to, starts to give a kind of a reaction to, to what God has been saying. Actually, he is... He's leading his own people into a confession. That's what he's actually doing. He responds to this special message of God. And, and while he does it, the divine riddle is, is explained. This is how he starts. Who has believed what we have heard? That refers back to what to the verses we just talked about. Who who has believed what what we have heard? That strange message about this servant who would be amazingly successful through suffering. Who has believed what we have heard? But the prophet complains about it. He complains that the people will have a hard time getting it. To and to whom has the arm? of the Lord been revealed? Whose eyes have been opened to, to see God's arm? Now, the arm of the Lord, I mean, if you, if you read, that, read about that in the Bible, that, that reminds you to the book of Exodus, there it says, like God brought the people of Israel out of, out of Egypt with an, an outstretched arm. And, and actually in the previous chapter, in chapter 51, Isaiah is like, has, has, been, has been making a an, an fervent prayer, actually to the arm of the Lord. He says, awake, awake, put on strength, O, o arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old. Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the deep, who made the depths of the in the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over? God's arm once, once literally split the Red Sea. And made a, made a path through it. So Isaiah is asking, Lord, please do something like that again. So we, so we can get home in, 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 in that beautiful new Jerusalem that you're talking about. Actually also in, in chapter 40, also, also God was talking about his arm. There was a special promise concerning God's arm. We read it that the Lord God comes with with might and his, his arm rules for him. And actually also just before uh, the passage that, that we're, we're looking at, there Isaiah sees it happening again. 
the Lord laid bare his holy arm. <coughs> 52 verse 7 if you have your Bibles uh, with you. His holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. God has, as it were, rolled up his sleeves to, to act, to do something amazing. The arm of God intervening. With, with the rest of, of, the, of the book of Isaiah in the background, that means that, that God is going to intervene to bring his people home. God powerfully intervening. Maybe you think, well, yeah, I'd like that. You know, all the, all the, all the problems we have, hey, we have in our world, maybe in, in, in your own life. We need that. So maybe we also think, well, uh, God intervening, I, d I don't see so much of it. Is God actually doing something? There's so much problems. If God is almighty, why, why don't he do something? Well, let's listen to, to what Isaiah is saying. Because he's saying God came indeed. And he indeed intervened. He did something powerfully. But who saw it? Whose eyes have been, been opened for it? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And Isaiah confesses on behalf of his own people that they have difficulty seeing God's intervention. God's greatest intervention ever. Why is it? Isaiah continues and he explains. We start talking about God's special servant again. So apparently, God's army that's, that's connected with this servant. It's in him that God himself is showing up. But how does he look like? He grew up before him like the young plant and like the root out of dry ground. Now, I know a lot of people here are into into farming and or into greenhouses, right? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know so much about that. But I do know enough that if you give a plant no water, it doesn't do so well. well that, that's, the that's the picture here. Like a plant in the desert. That's not doing so well. Unimpressive. So this servant, he appears pretty unimpressive. unimpressive. He even continues. He has no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. And then it gets even worse. He was despised and rejected by man. A man of sorrows. A man of pains or sufferings. Acquainted with grief. And, and he was as one from whom we, you hide your face. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you have been watching too much, too much reality TV. But, you know, maybe we sometimes see something, something terrible. And then it's like, oh, I don't want to see this. Right? Oh. Well, that's what Isaiah is describing here. We have here again this, this strange riddle. His appearance was marred beyond human semblance or beyond anybody. Because as somebody for whom you turn your face away. Because it's... You don't want to see this. When we first looked at this, this servants, we didn't see glory. We only saw glory. We, 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 he was despised and we esteemed him not. We didn't appreciate him and didn't recognize who he was. 
wait a minute, Isaiah, what, what are you exactly saying? What are you talking about? I thought you were talking about God's arm, something powerful. Are you talking about a man who was rejected? Is that God himself intervening? What are you talking about? That's exactly what I'm saying, Isaiah would say. We see the opposite here, though. What's going on? This man is crying out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isaiah, you have a very strange definition of success. It's a strange riddle, indeed. But Isaiah leads us on. He continues his confession. Surely, he says, this is what you have to understand. And if you don't get this, you won't get it. Here's the key point, which opens your eyes. He, this servant, he has borne our griefs. And he's carried our sufferings. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. afflicted. We thought him to be abandoned by God, even punished for, for his own sins. And yes, he was punished by God, but not for his own sins. This is what is really going on, Isaiah is saying. He was wounded, even pierced, that's what it literally says, pierced for our transgressions. And that's a strong word, it means rebellious deeds. He was crushed, Isaiah uses strong language. Crushed for our iniquities, our crookedness. Yes, there's indeed punishment for sin, but not for his own sin. It's for our sins. The servant even suff he suffers terribly for them. And not only that, he dies from it. Because if these strong words, that's something, this piercing, this crushing, you don't survive that. Upon him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. And our boys and girls, I don't know, maybe some of the things this message were a bit difficult but these verses like if you want to want to learn a verse of the bible by heart if you with which you almost get the entire message of the bible learn this verse by heart and maybe it's like you know how many books are there in the bible 66 right and how many books are in the old testament 53 right well here you're in the 53rd uh, chapter of the book of isaiah and this is exactly the middle of the of the 53rd chapter Actually, here you have, this summarizes really the, the good news of, of the Lord Jesus here. Because that's what it's all about here. Learn this first by heart, but don't forget it. Right? It's really important. Because Isaiah is talking about, about nobody else than the Lord Jesus here. The Messiah. Isaiah is talking about his suffering as if he has already saw it happening before, before his eyes. Jesus, he is God's special servant, God's special agent. He's even God's arm. God himself who, who came and intervened in the most amazing way. Because think about it for a moment. What, what actually 
our greatest problem. If we want God to do something, right? You say, why doesn't God do something about the problems in the world? Well, then what's actually the biggest problem? Well, let's put it in the context of the, of the message of Isaiah. The people ended up in exile, right? Big problem. What was the cause of it? And, and, and what was the cause of the exile for the people of Israel? That's also the greatest problem for all of us. The deepest problem. Beyond all the other problems. It's the problem of our sins. And if we want to have any hope for ourselves personally, or for the world, or for the people of Israel, this problem has to be solved. What's God doing here? He's taking care of the bigger, uh, our greatest need, uh, the biggest problem. Actually, what we have here, when we read these words here in, in the book of Isaiah, as I said, it's a confession, right? It's a realization. It it's are actually words of repentance. And these words, as I said it to, to, to the boys and girls, these are learn these words by heart. Because this confession has to be the confession of all of us in a very personal way. These words, they are the gateway to hope and peace, even eternal peace. Without it, there's no hope for any of us. Then we will drown and perish in our sins, which really provoke God. So this opening of the eyes this realization, it's, it's absolutely crucial for salvation. But think about it. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. That's the next verse. We have turned everyone. Let's please include, uh, include ourselves, right? To his or her own way. Let's think about it. How God is holy and righteous and how his... How his how his righteous indignation has to respond to our sins. We deserve God's judgment. That's what our rebellion against him provokes. We should be forever be, be separated from all God goods, God's goodness. That's what Israel deserved. That's what we deserve. But listen to what God says instead. This is the good news. Listen to what he has to offer. Comfort, comfort my people. Cry out to Jerusalem that her time of hardship is over, that her, her iniqui iniquity is pardoned. What's this? Can the holy God just stop taking our sins serious? No, he cannot. And he will not. But he does something else. Listen to what, listen to what we... What Isaiah says, the Lord has laid on him, on this suffering servant, the iniquity of us all. This is the greatest and most needed intervention of God of all times. Does good do something about the problems in the world? I bet. And this is where he started. His servant, Jesus the Messiah, took our sins upon him. And seeing that personally, accepting that, that's the door to a real amazing future. Isaiah continues to talk 
talk about this. He keeps expressing his amazement about, about this servant. He says, it was accepted. That's what it literally says. It was accepted in verse 7. But what was accepted? The punishment. The punishment for our sins. It was accepted. The price had to be paid. Well, boys and girls, like if you would be, if you get, if somebody gets upset on you because of something you didn't do, how do you respond? I have a daughter here, like if, if she has a very strong sense of fairness, I didn't do it, right? Immediately protesting, right? Well, what did Jesus do? When he took the punish, he knew he had to get the punishment for, for our sins. Did he protest? No way. He did not resist at all. He didn't do anything wrong. But he was silent, like the lamb. Like the lamb, that's what it literally says in the Hebrew, the lamb. Like the lamb. He did not, he was led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before a shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He could just have asked, like when the soldiers came to take him, he could just ask for 12 legions of angels. Didn't do it. He kept silent at the cross when they were mocking him. He surrendered himself completely. He gave himself willingly for us. This is love, really. And then we go to the next verse, which is it's a little bit difficult, has some, some difficulties with in the translation, but here's probably the best way of rendering it. Without hindrance and without justice, he was taken away. Without, without anybody stopping it. And, with, with and he didn't get the justice he, he deserved. What happened to Jesus? His father didn't intervene. He, he let it happen, right? And Jesus got far from a fair trial, right? Pilate says, yes, he's innocent, but... He gave in to the crowd. And as for his generation, his people, that's what the word generation here probably means, his people, the people around him, who considered it, who was thinking about it, who saw it, that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people, Isaiah says, with the, that with the plague that was due to them, that he got, that he, who, who saw it, that he actually got the punishment that they deserved. They had no clue. And then we continue to read, and we get actually details about, about the servant's burial. Messiah, the Christ, died for our sins according to the scriptures, the Apostle Paul says, and was buried. And we read about his burial already here. They made his grave with the wicked. If you think about it, the way the servant died, and as we read that he was numbered with the, with the transgressors, then he, he wouldn't get an honorable burial. And think about the Lord Jesus. He was condemned to crucifixion. Well, with it, you were kind of connected with that almost immediately. You, don't, you get also a criminal's burial, not an honorable burial. But what happened with the Lord Jesus? 
there was a rich man who showed up, right? Who talked with Pilate and he got his body and buried him in his own tomb. A detail already prophesied about came about exactly as was prophesied. They gave him his, his grave with the wicked, that's where he would go, but he was with the rich in his death. And wha- why does this happen? Because it's the first sign of, of God's vindication of Jesus. Because he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. He hadn't done anything wrong in, in action or speech. The servant was blameless. And yet still, in spite of the, of the servant's innocence, it was the will, and, and, and Isaiah even uses a very strong word, he says, the pleasure of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. That's kind of strange, actually. If you know your Bible a little bit, you know that even says God has no pleasure in the, in the death of the wicked, even. Which provoke him, but God has no pleasure in it. And now here's the most righteous person, and God has a pleasure in his death? What's going on here? Well, it's not that God likes suffering. What God is taking pleasure in is the, is the result of this suffering. He knows what will, what will come from it. That's why he has pleasure in it. Because there is a deep, deep love of God behind, behind this. God so loved the world, how, how deep the Father's love for us, that he gave Jesus, his servant. And that brings us to, to our last point. And still bear with me. It, I, know it's, I know it's hot, but there's still, a f- there's, still, there's still a few diamonds here. Like there's, there's, still, there's more gold here. I, li- I at least want to tell you about the gold that's still there, okay? When he, when he gives his life, it says, as a sin offering, as an offering for sin, he, the servant, will, will see seed. He will see offspring. Now, Jesus had no literal children, of course. He wasn't married. Some crazy people want to make, without any basis, they make up a story that that did happen. But forget about it. Don't believe the nonsense Hollywood tells you. It's not based on anything. No Da Vinci Code. But um, Jesus does have a lot of spiritual children. Because that's what it's talking about here. It actually are the, the many people which, as we will see, the prophet starts to talk about the many, the numerous. It's 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 like a, a mass, a multitude. He will see them. Hey, wait a minute! I thought we were just talking about about a burial. So, the servant really died, and now it says like he will see see seed. He will see, what's going on here? Do you still see things? How can you still see things if you're dead? Apparently, he will not remain dead. Because Isaiah is not only talking about the the suffering of Jesus, it even talks about his victory and his, his resurrection. Because look how the prophecy continues. He will, he will prolong his days. So he dies and he lives again. Do you remember how the prophecy started? 
Behold, my servant will act wisely. He will prosper. He will be successful. Yes, Isaiah says it again. The pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He will be successful. All the good things that, that God wanted to give to Israel, they will come about. By whom? By the servant. He will bring it about. And it's especially about this, that he will, wa- will make many people righteous in God's eyes. He paid the price to make that possible. We read it. Because of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. Jesus paid the price with the suffering, the anguish of his soul. And as a result, as a reward, he lives again and he enjoys a deep, satisfying joy. By seeing the results of it. And, and the next, next phrase talks about what that especially is. By the knowledge of him, that's maybe the best way to render it. By the knowledge of him, by knowing him, the righteous one, my servant, will make many to be accounted righteous. Now, we are not righteous in ourselves. But still, if you trust in the Lord Jesus, do you know how God looks at you? You are 100% okay. 100%. I'm not even saying it, it well yet, what, what this means. Yes, it means there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the baseline of it. But then, then it still goes further. You know, what does, what does Jesus see? What does God see when he looks at you, when you believe in the Lord Jesus? You are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. When God sees you now, he sees Jesus. And what does God see when he, when he sees Jesus? What did he say when Jesus was baptized? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is how far it goes that God makes us, that this servant makes us to be accounted righteous. Isn't that amazing? That's how far this goes. It's not only that your sins are forgiven, God's not going to send you to hell. No, he's going to shower you with his blessing because he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That's how far it goes. For he shall bear their iniquities. There's Jesus again who, who intercedes for us. Jesus, God's righteous servant, did this. And there's still another, another brick of, like, there's still other gold here. I, I just want to touch on it, it shortly. Something I find really, really amazing. God says, therefore, because the servant bore all the iniquities and mo- made those many people righteous in my eyes, therefore, God says, I will divide him a portion with the many, with those many people made righteous. God rewards the servant. He rewards Jesus. He gives him a portion. But not only him, he does it together with the many. Who are that? That's us if we trust in the Lord Jesus. So, it's like what the psalm says. Why should I gain from his reward? But he shares it with us. I cannot give the answer. And then again. The servant shall divide the spoil. What's that about? 
Think about a victory after a war when there's a lot of loot that's acquired, a lot of booty. Also, Jesus, he has a, he, he is a victory over death and over the grave, and he will reign as king. And, and he's, make, he's making a share in his victory. He conquered death. And Jesus lives, and we will live. He makes us even share in his glory. The Bible talks about amazing things that we will reign with Christ. We don't deserve that at all, but that's, that's how far this making righteous goes. And it's all because he poured out his soul unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. People who rebelled against God, for them he, he intercedes, he interposed himself. He gave his life to save them. Do you see, brothers and sisters, how the entire gospel, the good news of Jesus, it's all there, right? Right here in this prophecy in the Old Testament. And it's really good news because this is dealing with our greatest problem. The, it's the door to everlasting peace and life. And I want to end with, with, with two short applications. First and foremost, this, this the prophet was leading the people into a confession, right? And also we cannot just listen to it, okay, that's interesting. There's only two options. Or we, we join the confession or we let it go past us, one way or another, or we ignore it or reject it. So the most pressing application of all is like, is Isaiah 53 also our confession? If yes, then you have life everlasting. Then you are forever in God's favor. But if not, if not yet, then our greatest problem, our sin problem isn't dealt with yet. God's wrath remains on us then, the Bible says. So please, I want to plead with you. Meditate on this scripture. Meditate about this verse, like, like, like verse 5, which I said that the, that the kids should learn by heart. Think about it, so that it will become your confession too. He was pierced through for our rebellious deeds, and so be saved. There's still another application I want to end with. Because which people is Isaiah leading into confession in the first place? His own people, right? The Jewish people. The people of Israel. And as we know from scripture, this confession will one day be the confession of the entire people of Israel. God will pour out, like sh there's coming showers of blessing, we sang. He's going to pour out his spirit on the people of Israel. And then they will see it. They will see the one whom they pierce, the scriptures say. Uh, and, and the Apostle Paul says it. This way, all of Israel, all of Israel that will be living then, will be saved. These beautiful promises of, this, there's beautiful promises to come through. It will be life from the dead. Then really, God's kingdom will come on earth, the Bible says. But you know, right now, most of the Jewish people don't see it yet. It's like, it's like as I exactly as Isaiah promised. Like, I think, how many people, are there Jewish people here? Somebody has some, some Jewish background? Good. Well, welcome, brother. Really, good to have you amongst us. You are one of God's, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you are, you are part of the remnant. But most of us here, we are, we are non-Jews, right? 
Dutchies, and not a very many of them, not a very proud tribe actually. <laughs> <laughs> but non-Jews, we're Gentiles, right? You think we're the chosen people now? <laughs> Sorry. It's, uh, it's, but God has mercy on us. Many of us, that we s- but what happened to us? I hope it happened to you. Like y- your eyes were opened and you saw what the who the Lord Jesus is. Exactly. Those who were not told this at first, they will see, right? But you know, God has a, God has a double agenda with that. Double agenda, but usually not good, right? But he has a good double agenda with it, what God has with it. He wants to make with it the Jewish people jealous, the Bible says. So, I don't know, maybe, first of all, pray for the Jewish people, please. But then, I don't know, maybe it's not so many Jewish people here. But I think more in Toronto you will have more, right? Maybe you get into touch with, with Jewish people. I hope I have given you something to share. And you have a treasure that was meant, first of all, for them. And your eyes were open to see it. And, and you are called to reflect the light of this treasure, the light of your Savior, to them especially. So I don't know, may I, may I hope I've given you also something you can share if you, have, if you meet Jewish friends. And at least, at least pray for, for them. We who were first not told, we came, came to see it. But we got to understand who this servant is. And we saw that he is God's most special intervention. Amen.